five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond with your host, Justin. But before we get started, how was your geek week? And co-hosts, Dan and Jason. You have to be willing to let the dice help you tell the story. Okay, look, this year, I'm going to stop mispronouncing words. Join us as we cover board games to war games and beyond. And welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. I am your host, Justin, here with the crew, Dan and Jason. Hey, everybody. Greetings, fair fellow travelers. The last time you heard from, uh, well, it was Dan and I, Jason was busy uh, packing for Gen Con. I don't remember, Jason. Anyway. Uh, you <laughs> packing uh, for, uh, I don't know what I was doing. I think you were packing for Gen Con, or you just gotten back from out of town or something. Like that, that. Yeah, anyway. I was on traveling all the way up to it, yeah. Yeah, so uh, last time you heard from Dan and I, we were talking about what we were looking forward to uh, at GenCon, and today we are going to give you our recap of just what we did, and I think it's going to be a really good show. we got a lot to talk about today. We have tons to talk about, so let's jump into Geek Week. Yeah, Dan, why don't you kick us off? Well, my uh, cute 13-year-old daughter ran, we started a campaign tonight with just Ooh. my son and I as players, D&D. So she's our DM, and we're going to call in a cousin who lives a couple time zones away once we can get him, and um, we're having fun with D&D again. And, uh, and it's also my son, my youngest son's first RPG experience, nice. so that's pretty great. What How old uh, your son? Ten. He's ten. ten. Got it. So, so not and, one. Um, or he's what? about to turn ten in a few weeks. Yeah. Okay. Uh, cool. What uh, adventure are you guys running? It's one of my daughter's own make, and we're Ooh. enjoying it. Yeah. She homebrew. Uh, she's a homebrew fan. She's she's into it. She's already written three episodes, and we've done half of nice. the first one. So very good. Uh, she's totally into it, and. Um, Basically, she came home from a thing, and she's like, "Can we just do this?" And I'm like, yeah, but, 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 "Yes." How can so, you say it now? totally so balanced challenge ratings. Exactly. <laughs> if you ha- if she ever gets stuck, Dan, I know a podcast that she could listen to to help her uh, be a better uh, GM. Yeah, I've told her she she's not that interested. Yeah, <laughs> I told my daughter too, and she's like, "Uh, Dad, podcast Ugh, gross. You guys are the <laughs> lamest." It was uh, funny. I was I was out I- I having dinner with some friends the other night, and my wife says, "You know, the only podcast I listen to." And then she started talking. I'm sitting right next to her, and my friend just looks at me like, "You have a podcast, don't you?" She's like, "Yep," and it's not the one she listens to. That's hilarious. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 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 That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Well, we're having fun, and uh, why not? Um, the next thing is the weirdest gamer thing that's happened to me in a long, long time. So my wife and my neighbor and good f- gamer friend and neighbor, uh, they and we walk to each other's houses regularly because we're just a few doors down. And he comes, he, him and his we, his wife and he were supposed to come get in our car and we were going to drive to go see a music show. And we saw them in front of this other neighbor's house staring at this pile of garbage. I'm like, what are they doing? So I'm just like, okay, let's get in the car and just drive up. 
that pile of garbage was like a huge, huge stack of Warhammer terrain. Nice. <laughs> I know the lady lives in the house. She's really sweet. I'm sure she had a had a, a son maybe that has long since not uh, played with any of this stuff. Uh, but there was a big sign on it that said, this is free Warhammer terrain. And uh, it was not out on her front lawn very very long between <laughs> between when she dropped it off and when the two geeks on her street scooped it up. So I scooped up 27 pieces of yes. painted terrain. A lot of it has, you know, green moss on it. And it's been, it's been well loved and well taken care of. And um, so I have way too much uh, Warhammer scale terrain right now than I could possibly use. But hey, it's cool. The next time you see her, ask her if she's got any armies sitting in there. <laughs> yeah, right. Are there little dudes? Can mm-hmm. we have the dudes? The little yeah. guys, you know? <laughs> yeah. Are there any little ones in your house that we can have? <laughs> <laughs> any little ones you're willing to part with? Where are those red and blue lights coming down the street? Um but that's you live in a strange world where geeky things like that can happen, and in a moment's notice, between the two of us, we just snapped up all the stuff. So, um, it, 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 you just always have to be open for the universe to say thank you for all your gaming hard work. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so that's what that. All right, that was my geek week. Pretty good, pretty good. Jason, how's your geek week? Fun. I finished with my family before my daughter went off to college. She, uh, I ditched my daughter at uh, college this last weekend, and before we did, we 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 pushed through and finished watching Stranger Things. As Would a you family. say you were running up that hill? <laughs> you bet, man. Yep, yep. Running up that hill. Those who have seen the this latest season will recognize that reference. Uh, but uh, have you finished it yet, Justin? I did. I did. Uh, my daughter said I need to finish this before school starts, so we finished yeah. it last <clears throat> week. Wow. Um, it was a great season. T- it was, but talk about long. It's like it's. It was like eight movies. Oh, the last uh, episode. Two and a half was two hours. Two and a half hours. Two and a half hours for the last episode. And I remember telling my wife, because we had one, one night left before it, we were leaving to take her to college. We had to leave early in the next morning. And I'm like, look, we're going to do this. we got to start this at like 8, 8 p.m. Because I'm not I'm not watching a movie till 1 in the morning and getting up at, you know, 5 or 6 to yeah. go drive, you know, X hours. <laughs> uh, when it came out, I was staying up really, really late watching it. <laughs> so <laughs> I have no sympathy. Yeah. Well, uh, it's still, I would say it's still fresh, so we don't want to give spoilers uh, here on this uh, on this podcast, but man, good stuff. I will say, you know, I think that um, my wife held on. She she does not like um, horror stuff, and but but she has liked Stranger Things up to this point. But this last season was difficult for her. It, initially. it tested her boundaries. It tested her boundaries <laughs> for sure. I remember we used to watch The Walking Dead when it first came out, right? And yeah. people say, well, you see, your wife doesn't like horror, but a lot of The Walking Dead is just about the people and interactions of the people. But it wasn't until that the season that Negan came along, then my wife, that was it. She didn't watch it after that because it was too brutal. And that when, was a that was a horror into it, unto itself, right? Which it is was. almost scarier because it was calculated. Yep. People mm-hmm. horror. It wasn't, and, and you know, interestingly, I think um, you could go back and look at the ratings. I think I think uh, all of the Walking Dead ratings took a hit when that came yeah. because a lot of people it was a boundary that, that they crossed. But anyways, we're digressing. There's so two, finish. Uh, there's two points with uh, it yep. was the prison se- uh, season and then Negan season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So uh, Stranger Things season four, amazing story. Love where this is going. Uh, 
you there's know, only one th- season left. Only one season left, and I yeah. think actually there's a master class on. I don't know where it's hosted exactly. I saw an ad on Fit My Facebook feed. There's a master class by the brothers, the Duffies. I say the Duffy brothers. Duffer, Duffer brothers. Duffer, right? yeah. That uh, that are hosting yeah. how they created this entire story from the beginning, like they knew where it was going from the beginning. So um, it's it's interesting you kind of say that because um, I think that's been one of the benefits of streaming versus uh, network television, right? Because what happened is when streamers started making content, um, they took the British model, which was this is going to be a three-season show. This is going to mm-hmm. be a five-season show. And there's only going to be 10 episodes in it or eight or yep. whatever that number is. It's not going to be 26 like there is on network television, right, yeah. where you yeah. would have a fall season that's 13 episodes and a spring season that's 13 episodes or something like that. So so they took this new model, and I think what that does is it gives these artists, right, these creators, showrunners, uh, directors, and they say – here's my pitch start to finish. And then um, they've got free reign to do that once the company green lights them. Yeah. And I think we're seeing more cohesive storytelling. It's not like um, that old show alias with Jennifer Garner in it. Like you got to like season yeah, one and lost. a half or lost, right? Where it's just like, uh, we lost, we lost the bubble on this show yeah. like two seasons ago. And and now we don't know where to go yeah. with it. Yeah. Right. So um, I think Stranger Things is a good example of like the benefits of kind of the, the streaming models. It is. Yeah. I've always preferred the British approach. I mean, there's some things I've really dug over the years, like Supernatural. It's like, what are they? What right. are they how many seasons do they have? Like 17? 16. 16, 16? Yeah. yeah. That's been fun, right? But um, yeah. it struggled a little bit there in the middle. Yeah. But I, I have always preferred smaller things. And some people are like, they get in this, we get in this age of, I need, I need, I need to consume, consume, consume. Like, I need more of this. I need more Lord of the Rings. I need more of the And I'm like, you know what? I'm just, give me something good. Give me a beginning and give me an end that closes it. It makes a really great memory in my heart. And then I move yeah. on and I experience something else. And I've right. always been for that kind of, you know, there's a, there are bookends on something. Well, right. I uh, need more Lord of the Rings. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't. I don't know, man. The the Hobbit ruined it for me. The yeah, yeah, yeah. No, actually, the Hobbit. Yeah, the Hobbit ruined it for me. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll you, you have to be truly in love to stick with it after after a bumpy ride like that. Same, same. But, but anyway, uh, sorry. So we're, we're doing the Silmarillion uh, coming up, people. Two weeks. Yeah. We're gonna have young uh, Galadriel and young Elrond. It's gonna be amazing. I'll shut up now. And young, uh, <laughs> and young Sauron. And Sauron's gonna be like a just a dude, not like a. Doesn't he look like Eminem in the in the trailer? I don't know. I'm just got like the blonde haired Caesar cut. I don't know. I'm freaking out. I'm excited. (laughs) I'm gonna shut up now. So after that, uh, this past weekend, uh, my wife decided to go see a movie, um, and uh, and so I said, well, let's have some guys over. So I reached out and got a bunch of friends over. You got both. You guys were there. We we played uh, set. We played. I think like three. Three different games, but one that I wanted to highlight was Moonrakers. I, I don't remember this at all. Yeah, right. <laughs> you were there. <laughs> you remember, and I'll make tell, you remember because I tell won. Yeah. Stories. Great sorry. game. Uh, really enjoyed it. This one I kind of went on a whim, right? Like I saw it at Gen Con. This game, the base game's been out for a while. It's been out for about a year. There's a couple expansions now, and they're getting ready to do a. They're getting ready to do it like a Titan Box Kickstarter that does like everything in one box. Oh, um, but so I went to Gen Con. I, I kind of saw it. I saw people playing. I love the aesthetic. I love the concept. It's like a deck building game slash social negotiation game. Um, 
And so I said, all right, I'm going to go for it. And, you know, the game was like 65 bucks. It's super high quality uh, material. Like the boards are, the board is beautiful. The box is beautiful. Yeah. Um, it's very high quality. Very high quality. Very high rated game. You know, we're not going to review it here, at least on this episode, but go look it up. Moonrakers, really fun uh, game to play. It it's a, it's not a short game, but it's highly interactive. And this is this is something we've come back to a lot on this podcast, right? Games that include everyone at every stage and everybody's turn. Those are great games, and this is one of those games. Everybody's playing the whole time, whether it's your turn or not. So my anyways. favorite my favorite part of the evening, Jason, was when when you uh, won, like. Well, no. Well, leading up to that point, uh, it was when like Tyler or Sean or they're like, oh, Justin, Justin's not like doing anything. It's not a big deal. And I just kind of give this look over at you <laughs> and you look at me like you're such a jerk. I know what's yeah, happening. I know here. what you're doing. <laughs> I know I'm what you're doing. <laughs> so just a real quick clarification for our listeners. Moonraker has nothing to do with the James Bond film. Yep, That's true. Nothing. If you're interested in a brand new James Bond game that did come out of Gen Con, there was one called Spectre. I saw it being played. Don't know anything about it except for the fact you take on the role of a Bond villain. Sounds like a cool concept. It has nothing to do with Moonraker. Dan out. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. <laughs> uh, let's see. All right, sweet. Uh, that's it for you, Jason, for your mm. Geek Week? Yeah, that's that's funny. Yep, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of good stuff. Uh, okay, so uh, this week I said, holy crap, I need to do some painting for Nova. Uh, because I got 30 Dread Scythe Herodons I need to paint up for my list that I have not yet even run, but I'm pretty sure that this is the list I'm going to end up going with for uh, Age of Sigmar. I bet I'm going to go 2 and 3 in the tournament, maybe, if I'm lucky, um, just because I've hardly played any games, but I'm going to be looking forward to having a good time. Like That's that's my attitude going into this. I'm not, not going in to like, win the whole thing. There's no way that I can compete with some of the people that are out there playing all the time, right? So... Um, but I'm excited for it. So I started painting and, um, I said, Oh, uh, I've got these night haunt that I'm doing and I've got like, I don't know, like maybe 15 other models that are like, these have been sitting in my backlog for a while. Like they're primed, but they were never painted. And they're just like with the rest of my night haunt models, like, like a sore thumb standing out because they're just like not painted. Right. So I'm like, well, I've got the airbrush out anyway. Let's just get going on all of it, all of it. Right. And then as I start doing that, uh, our good friend Sergio Ortiz, who was on one of our uh, Talking Warhammer episodes, he hits me up and he goes, hey, do you have any spirit hosts? I need six of them. And I was like, I got three. And then I realized I had three that I could build. So I said, I love you, Sergio. And I built three spirit hosts for him and started painting them. Let me tell you, the spirit host models are the worst Age of Sigmar models to ever put together, ever. They are the most fiddly models. They never stay the way they need to because they got like these like little circles and little dots that you got to line up, but they don't like gravity pulls them out of their, their place. Like they're just a real pain in the butt. So I, I built them for him and I kind of texted him and I said, you're welcome, buddy. Like, <laughs> So you would say that the hobbying part of the hobby was less fulfilling than you had hoped. Uh, yeah, I look, spirit hosts is, are the worst. They are the worst. And I like, I've got 12 of them and like, I'm, I don't know why I put so many together, but anyway, so yeah, but anyway, it was good. I've still got to do a bunch of painting that I'll get done this week, but I'm excited. Cause like, 
that also represented a big backlog of my painting. And so my kids always give me a hard time about, Dad, how many models do you have left to paint? How many models? Dad, how many models? Why are you getting more models if you've got to paint more models? So now I can point to this and be like, shut your traps, you little kids. Mm-hmm. I've been painting my backlog. <laughs> you know? Like... I know, I know I'd be naive in saying, like, there's no, like, I will one day paint all the models I have. That's pretty naive to say that. Um, you know, I'm just lying to myself. But I kind of want to do it out of spite. Just paint spite. Just for the kids. Your kid's yep. looking back going, my dad always making time for me. He'd yell at me about how he didn't get enough model painting done. Oh, what a well, guy. Dude, there's no way to paint all your models because I'm sure you're like me and you've got You've got hidden sprues in boxes deep somewhere you don't even remember you have right now. Like, well, and that's that's what I was just going through the other day. Cause yeah. I'm like, I think I had three dirt holes around here. I'm like, oh, yep, here they are. You know what I mean? And, like, I've built a bunch of them that are hidden in boxes, and I, I know they're out there, right? So, anyway, yeah, I, I won't ever get to them. But I, I, so I, I'm like, Sophie, if I paint this, all of my night hot are painted. And she goes, how about your orcs, Dad? Have you finished your orcs? She knows gosh darn well I have not yeah. finished my orcs. What a brat. Because so. he's painting orcs instead of spending time with me. Yeah, yeah well. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, yeah, that was my first Geek Week thing. Uh, the second one, and I'll make this kind of quick. Uh, while we were at Gen Con, uh, I had a chance to talk to the R. Talisorian Games Company. They're the ones that make the Cyberpunk Red uh, RPG as well as the Witcher RPG. So... They have uh, that partnership with, um, uh, I'm blanking on the, on it's like Red, also, uh, yeah, Red, Red something. Yeah, Red oh, I'm blanking Studios. on it too. Red, Red, uh, anyways, we'll look it up. Anyway, it's the, the ones who made, you know, uh, The Witcher and, and, and all that. So anyway, um, so I was talking with them, I told them about our podcast, and they gave me a free copy of the core rule book for Cyberpunk twenty seven or Cyberpunk Red, which is essentially the um their RPG for that that uh, steampunk world. Or I guess it's more like futuristic technomancer style world, right? Not really steampunk. Um so uh, think Blade Runner, think, you know, Shadow uh uh Shadow Runner, think um uh, or not Shadowrun, or Shadowrun, right? Yeah, Shadowrun. Yeah, CD yeah, Product Shadow Project Red. CD Product Red. Thank yeah. you, thank you. So anyway, um, I said, you know, before I really cracked that open, um, and I know that the RPG came before the video game, but I said before I cracked that open, let me download and play Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven a little bit. And I looked up on my way home from Gen Con, and sure enough, it was being sold for like twenty five dollars, something like that. So I picked mm-hmm. it up. I picked it up, and it's bug-free, which is nice, which means that when I go in front of a mirror, all of my clothes are still on, and I'm not buck-naked, so that's that's a win. That sounds uh, more like a bug. <laughs> yeah, a feature than a bug, right? Um, so, no, that was like one of the one of the known bugs. It's like you would uh, – in fact, there was a great video of a streamer. She was like, okay, here we go. Like, oh, you know, you wake up you like in your room. You're like, oh, go check yourself out in the mirror. And she had made a female character, and it's like the mirrors in the game you have to activate for them to, like, pop up, right? So she goes in the bathroom, she activates the mirror, and there she is in all of her glory, you know, as a character. And she's like, oh, my gosh. And she had to, like, shut off her stream, you know what I mean? Because she's streaming, and it was the it was totally the bug that, like, and she's like, this is not good. Probably going to get a strike on my account. So, But all those bugs are gone. Um, I've really enjoyed 
playing it, and I have gotten to the part where I've unlocked the Keanu Reeves character. Cool. Which he has a cameo in it. Well, not even a cameo. He's a character in it, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's been pretty fun, though. It, it's interesting. I'm diving in. That went, you know, that game looked really interesting to me. Um, I kind of knew what that game was going to be, though. When you know, the main trailer they showed, the main gameplay trailer they showed for that was rescuing some naked chick out of a bathtub, and like the whole rest yep. of the level, you're holding the naked chick in your arms, and her breast is just right there in the middle of the screen. That was the very first mission you do. Yeah, and I was like, "What? Well, they're not hiding what this is going to be." No, no, and there's like, I mean, it is similar to, um, I would say it's it's more altered carbon than it is Blade Runner. Oh you yeah, know what uh, I mean? absolutely. Yeah, where you're like walking through the streets and it's like you know, like the, you're in the red light district and mm-hmm. you know, so it's uh it's interesting. Um, the story is really compelling. I will say that it's really in, like really grabs you. So that's cool. Uh, cool. But yeah, I wanted to kind of do play that and then kind of compare it to the to the uh, book that we have, and maybe we'll be able to have a great podcast on that. So anyway, that's my geek week. Nice, nice. Yeah. Yep. Which brings us to the news. Come on, news. man! I'm hitting <laughs> play. Welcome to Tabletop and Beyond News. <laughs> nice. Hey, I got a bunch of stuff to cover tonight. Gen Con drew over 50,000 attendees and returned to pre-pandemic scale. So for those of you who are not aware, between August 4th and 7th, there was a big old convention in Indianapolis and Gen Con is back. It felt a lot like the size of convention I went to in 2014 with UJ, the first year I went. It seemed like it was yep. about the same number of attendees. My my first year I went was Gen Con 50 and that had a lot of people. Yeah. I think that one said I think that one was somewhere on the order of like 57,000 a day. Like yeah. hundred, I think they said somewhere around one hundred and fifty, hundred twenty to one hundred and fifty total. Yeah, thousand Gen Con fifty. Yeah, yeah. And I, I noticed the year after when we went, it wasn't nearly as busy, and this year to me didn't feel as busy as twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen. Um, but I see it ramping up, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a good thing. So we're back um masks and all we did a lot of masking um but uh it worked we had those very sean sean watson (laughs) i hope you're listening he gave us these nylon masks that like you could kind of breathe in a little bit but they were very weirdly perfumed (laughs) can we not go there (laughs) i'm just saying that like when you had it on and you were i was walking behind you i could smell it like wafting off of you go there man can we just not go there (laughs) and it was just covering your face What's the next news item? Oh, okay, so Free League. Smell like lavender. Free League Publishing, who we love. Wearing women's, new... women's underwear on your face. Oh, <laughs> there we went. There we went. We just, we're no longer for everybody. Your kids can't <laughs> listen to this in the car with you now. Thanks a lot, everybody. I mean, the material when you put it on kind of was okay. like some sort okay. of shirt. Okay, 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 okay. Just okay. Say you got to drive, drive this cart, man. 
let, let there's me some, just... There's some legit kink involved. This is the last thing I'm going to say. I wore that thing the whole time. I did too. <laughs> I did too. It was the only mask I had. I forgot mine. Yeah. Yeah. And you had to burn yours afterwards. Yeah, I know. Anyway. It was gross. It was gross. We were talking about our good friends at Free League, and they are awesome. We went to the Free League booth during Gen Con and ran into... Um, that awesome guy we interviewed, Tomas. his name, Tomas, uh, he's, he was fantastic. We got to meet him in person and talk all things RPG. I'm still excited that the Blade Runner game is still coming out. I backed it on Kickstarter. That'd be great. Nonetheless, um, they are going to be publishing, um, a fifth edition version of, uh, the one ring. So if you mm -hmm. love your Lord of the Rings and you love your 5e, there was a version of this that went out with the previous publisher, for Lord of the Rings uh, a couple of years ago, three or four years ago. Um, if you want something new and hot off the presses, uh, I am a big fan of uh, Free League. They're, they're making fantastic, fantastic RPG products. So that's coming. So buckle yeah, up. Yeah, I, I, would, I would add, so this is a One Ring second edition that's being ported over into 5e, right? Um, I would just say, and I'm going to plug their products a little bit, get get their starter sets, get their actual products because the things are beautiful in front of you. Like just having the PDF doesn't do it justice. I mean, they're really gorgeous looking PDFs, but like actually holding the materials in front of you, like it's really amazing the quality of effort and, and uh, production that they have with their stuff. Yeah. Uh, we had a lot of folks buy the, how many of us bought uh, into the box set for at least two, at least there's two box sets in our group now for the Lord of the, Lord of the Rings box set that they put out. I've got, yeah. I think I've got you've one. got it, and I think Tross got it too. But it was uh, Yeah, he might have picked it up. Um, but I know he got the Alien starter set, which I think Jason has as well, right, Jason? Ooh. Yes, he does. Yeah. Yep, yep. Anyway. His, his silence is complicity. There, there is yeah, another nice, small nice. wrinkle pulling here. pulling a face hugger off of my face. Please. Yeah. So, oh, yes. Yeah. The Xenomorphs, they love to hug. They're huggy. They, they're, they're emotionally needy. Um, the Embracer Group announced the acquisition of the middle of Middle Earth Enterprises, so they have all the rights to Lord of the Rings and Hobbit. And the Embracer Group also owns Asmodee, Gearbox Entertainment, 2K Games, Dark Horse Media. Wait, oh, wow. so a there's, there's a group that owns Asmodee? Yeah, yeah, it's called the Embracer Group. There is, like, so many layers of intrigue here. In it's the like a community. It's like a donut, a hole within a hole. Yeah, because we uh, we got new info that right Asmodee bought Miniature Market. Yes, they did. That so, was pretty big news. Yep. I didn't know that. I'm yeah, we found that out at Gen Con. We're like, yep. what? Yeah, this well, guy was like, <clears throat> this guy was like, oh, you, um, you can only buy our Asmodee stuff at the Miniature Market because uh, Asmodee just bought Miniature Market. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, wait, like, is that like? public news he's like oh no i just found out he was like an employee of asthma yeah. or asthma day we were like oh okay. uh technically he was a summer contractor basically sure he's a contractor aka employee well yeah, if you've been cool. to the asthma day store online store and you've been to the miniature market store you know where you've spent your money yep. because yep. the asthma day store has been which terrible. rolls back up to what was this group called that owns asthma day uh embracer the embracer group i There's bet that they're building is. a secret base in no, a right. volcano <laughs> in the southern pacific so it, it, them owning it doesn't <laughs> nullify the licenses immediately, but you can imagine how these uh, uh, venture capitalists think. So 
it, it won't happen this year, but it'll happen sometime. They'll go, well, why do we have two things doing the same thing? Uh, and and uh, I I won't I won't start bitching and moaning about about that those issues, but that that is a thing. Here is the biggest news in uh, tabletop gaming. Yep, earthquake the news. Earthquake news. So D and D Wizards of the Coast announced the One D and D Initiative. It's a three pillar strategy. The first pillar is the rules. The second pillar is D and D Beyond. Your the digital. Uh, uh, book collections uh, library and then there's the D&D digital play experience as the third pillar so for those of you who have not read about this online for D&D rules they're just fine-tuning the rules the um, the executives at at uh, Watsi love 5e they just want to do some fine-tuning of it um, and they're basically saying well we don't need to focus on additions anymore this is just what D&D is and so instead of coming out with a big addition every every 10 years and restarting over with monster manuals and restarting over with heroes go, uh, hero guides, everything is going to be compatible going forward with some minor changes. And if you guys want to try out the new stuff, there is an open beta happening right now. And you probably notice it's not as new as it sounds. It's just a different packaging of what we already have with some fine with some with some well thought out changes what uh what i heard in terms of rules is that short rests and critical hits were on the chopping block really okay yeah so and and when i say critical hits um basically it meant like a nat 20 will still do like critical hits but it's like um more class dependent so like you know uh, it'll it means something different for your class so um, kind of interesting. I don't have that many details. I just saw sort of a forum talking about it, and I didn't really dive deep in. But I had heard that they had been trying to get rid of the short rest for a long time yeah. because people weren't really doing um, dungeon crawls as much. Yep. You know? And so it was kind of like the short rest was a just a kind of an easy way to cheat out of, like, the DM throwing stuff at their players. You know? And, and it, it was a leftover from fourth edition where there were powers that you could do once a day and powers you could do yeah. multiple times a day if you had short rests um, and you had power cards and stuff like that. And that was a yep. big deal. Everything, there were modules of time where each card could be used. So anyway, D&D Beyond is going to continue to be D&D Beyond. They're not going to, there's not going to be a magic thing that happens where... You know, suddenly, if you've bought the hard copies, you're not going to have access to D&D Beyond or with that version, D&D Beyond. They are trying out with a with a fiction book. If you buy the going forward with new things that they publish with one fiction book, they're trying to have a digital and imprint uh, mirror image. You know, so if you have it in print, you can have the digital version. Is this, this is, the Dragonlance one? This is the Dragonlance one. It is, in my opinion, really too little too late compared to every other company in the universe. Yeah. But they're D&D. They get to do whatever they want. So um, just so you know, for those of you going, hey, I bought a lot of hard copy books. Do you think D&D Beyond will have it for me for free? The short answer is going to be don't hold your breath. Or vice versa. Hey, if I have an online library, am I going to get a coupon for a print book my answer is don't hold your breath uh, but going forward there could be some things that that overlap 
them trying out with a fiction book is their way of basically, I don't know. I, I, I think it's their way of half-heartedly saying, we know you want this. We don't want it. We don't want you. We don't want, we don't like this business model, even though you want us to have this business model. That's my hmm. opinion. So, yeah, maybe. I I, I think that um, Watsi may see the writing on the wall. I mean, you're talking about Artel Sorian Games, uh, Free League Publishing. You're talking about Cubicle 7. Anytime you bought a physical product, they would give you the PDF for free. Chaosium does the same thing. So, like, they're the only ones pretty much that doesn't. So, I think that they are going to have to do it. Um, you did see that it's like $10 more to get the combo, right? Um, I, th I think there's two things with this, right? Number one, um, I think it was six months ago, we talked about a lawsuit with uh, Hickman, right? Yeah. And yeah. Weiss. Yeah. And this is it, right? Like, this is this is the thing that they were, like, I think suing over. They were fighting over. over digital rights, yeah. Yep. Um, and so that was the first thing that I, that I thought of when I read this. Um, the second thing is that uh, it comes with, like, a board game. And I was reading about the board game, and I'm like, okay, it sounds like a miniature skirmish game. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, just kind of strange. I, I thought it was strange. Like, I... I think it would be better to put out like a source book, right? Or an adventure or something like that. Like it seems weird. Yeah, it is weird. Actually, I may be giving a little bit of bad information. I'll, I'll have our, our listeners go over and check to see what they're doing with the standard plus digital bundle right now for D and D store dot wizard. You can, if you get the dragon Lance shadow of the dragon queen queen deluxe edition, you get the physical book, you get the digital book, via D, D beyond yeah the board game dragonlance warriors of kryn and a dm screen yeah. so that's kind of a non-trivial bundle so there's there's some stuff there that may be of interest to some of our listeners well um, no so uh so listen a deluxe edition of both the D, &D dragonlance shadow of the dragon queen campaign and board game so is this a fiction book or is this a campaign? I, I'm I am confused because what I had read previously is not matching something else that I'm reading. So anyway, they're still feeling it out. At least it sounds like if you have lots of money, you'll get everything you want. This is still not a cheap way to <laughs> RPG. Um, oh, that's funny. Uh, sorry, not sorry, but that's just kind of, you know... Um, the, the the long and the short of it well right? if you want everything just pay for it just just pay for <laughs> everything that you think you need um the the third pillar is the uh the digital experience so it's in early development it's not released yet but it's going to be a 3d online engine that will feel like you know table topping with miniatures and terrain and dice in a virtual world this is like a direct competitor to the 2D Roll20 experience. Um, there's something to be said about that. Um, that could be pretty cool. Um, and if it's linked to this other things, there could be some kind of digital interoperability. That sounds cool. Uh, I think they're building it on an Unreal Engine, if I'm not mistaken. I'm yeah. clicking on and the article, and I'm not finding the the, the 3D engine. Yeah, it is uh, on the Unreal Engine, and from what I read, uh, the like the when you got an adventure in this, like it would have pre-populated maps in there and all that stuff that would just pull up. You know, you'd basically just select it and and do your thing. 
Um, I think it'll be interesting. I think that this is a serious, serious shot across the bow to, you know, uh, Foundry, like, um, uh, uh, Roll20, like you said, right? Virtual, uh, any virtual tabletop, because really most people are playing D&D on those platforms. They're, you know, of course they've got your more indie games and stuff like that, but... Um, the vast majority is going to be D and D, so that's having that kind of uh, all integrated into the D and D one thing. It will pull a lot of players away from it, I think. Yeah, um, and and it's it's uh, yeah. I mean, um, wouldn't it be great not to have to homebrew so many things? And yeah. with the thing with Roll Twenty is people that have been doing digital two D digital content, they've been able to sell it on roll 20 and make side money right. and wizards is looking at that going well clearly there's a market and we don't want to come up with two pillars of the stool and then have just everybody homebrew their way through the digital end just like everything digital that we've ever talked about on this show if it's digital you got to cross your fingers it may last it may not last we all are always worried about that <laughs> so um uh, but you know they have they have real money they have Hasbro money they should be able to do something. It'll be interesting, you know. It always is. Uh, just as a, a point that Justin made, right? Uh, the 2021 Q4 report from Roll Twenty was 55 percent of their games were D and D Fifth Edition. Yeah, played on yeah. Roll Twenty. Interesting. You might like this, Justin. 9.3 percent were Call of Cthulhu. Oh, there you go. Wow. Well, there's so and many Cthulhu's out there. You got to be careful which one. Yeah, you're it does say about. any edition. They did not categorize it by edition, but uh, <clears throat> and then the Still rest, though. the 15 percent were uncategorized, which means probably just people just monking around and doing kind of their own thing. And then, then 11 to 12 percent were other things like uh, just other uh, other systems and things like that. But uh, this, anyways, is, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just uh, kind of confirming. It'll be interesting to see. You know, obviously, the uh, uh, Wizards of the Coast is a company with a business model, a very strong business model and strategy. It'd be interesting to see what they do in the first, I'll say, not a time block. I'll say, yeah, I will. Actually, the first time block with this on trying to push out and pull people from, you know, Roll20, which does have subs- have membership tiers, but also you can do a lot with the free tiers with it's things free, like Roll20. Yeah. yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, Wizards of the Coast comes in and offers a lot of stuff that's very accessible, either free at a very low price but high quality to pull people, and then once they get a consumer base to see it, what happens to that pricing model yeah. afterwards. You know, it'd be cool if it was like a, a good, a really nice, easy, intuitive tabletop simulator. Remember when we first got tabletop simulator? Mm-hmm. We yeah. we put down all the the you know the fantasy RPG stuff and went, wow, this would be fun. And then we went, wow, this is really awkward to to manipulate. So we'll see how it goes. This is my favorite part yeah. of the whole thing. Uh, Chris Perkins, who uh, the game design architect for D and D, quote: We did a smart thing with Fifth Edition by listening to fans. And what came out of that process was a system that is stable, that is well-loved, that incorporates the best elements of earlier editions. Now that we have that, we are no longer in the position where we think of D&D as an edition. It's just D&D, unquote. So that's Chris Perkins. Yeah. So that's kind of what, what's going on with the one D&D mindset, which is, you know, 
careful evolutions of it um, over over you know small small changes or you know more frequent instead of big big bang uh, start over throw away all your books go buy the new books thing yeah Which, I think it's wise cool. and I mean look the, the digital the digital edition stuff makes it so that like you can have a living repository of stuff so kind of the the uh, regular updates and things like that I think are a much better approach yeah it's I, th- I think it's gonna be great all right that does it for the news let's thank get on you. to our main topic thank you Dan for pulling that together for us tonight uh, let's talk about Gen con so uh, I think what we're gonna do is go through each day and we're each gonna talk about like the one game that we really really liked during that day is that is that what i'm reading here on the show notes let's do it let's jump in all right well um on our way down to gen con on wednesday um or maybe it was like the day before we said hey we're gonna be getting there at about three o'clock you know by the time we check in we get our badges we're still gonna have some time uh in the evening so let's get a game in and the game that was available a free ticket too by the way which was nice was dom patrol now, Dawn Patrol had its, um, it has a special place in the heart of Gen Con as it was uh, played at the very first Gen Con in Lake Geneva. And in fact, it was the first game played at the first Gen Con. Uh, I can't remember the guy who, uh, the name of the guy who developed it, but he was just like a 17 year old kid that had developed a game, heard that they were doing a gaming convention, convinced his mom to drive him down there. And uh, showed up and said, hey, we're going to play this game called Fight in the Skies, um, F-I-T-S. And they played it. Uh, everybody had a great time. And it's kind of evolved since then. And I can't – do you remember what edition they said this is now? It changed its name to Dawn Patrol, and I think they said it's like ninth edition? No, I'm, I don't remember. Okay. I could be I could be totally wrong about but that. It's but it's been around for a long time. A long time. We're talking 57 years, basically, right? Because uh, it's been around as long as Gen Con. So yeah. uh, it was pretty awesome for us, I think, to kick off the Gen Con by playing, you know, our first game was the same first game that was ever played at Gen Con number one. So that was pretty cool for yeah, me. What did you guys think of the game? It's seventh edition. Okay. And the gaming group is called the Fight in the Skies Society, if you guys are interested in that. They, this, this group of guys loves this game. They love this. They breathe this game. They love it. Um, you know, um, I can, I, I salute their commitment. Uh, they all wear matching t-shirts and they set up a really big table and have played with a lot of folks over 30 years. Dawn Patrol. Yeah. what did you think of the game, Jason? Uh, you know, it's, it was a fun game because we had a guy who was giving us kind of an intro session and he was he was playing our he was directing us to play in a certain way enough so that we could really get a sense of the action and the combat and have fun um and afterwards you know we talked about this after um a little bit that i think this is one of those games where if you don't know how to play it and you are left to your own device uh you could have a really bad experience um, I think you could, you know, fly off the board incorrectly. Um, you could fly into an area where you just you can't engage with anyone, or you could just completely die on the first turn, like Dan did. Uh, poor Dan. Why do you have yeah, to do me Dan. like that? 
because I, I, I just I, I did yeah be, boom well and boom, it's because explosion. you know it's because this is this is one of those games that's founded in semi-realism right they they tried to model the game off of and a lot of like the old um old uh, war games are like that and you know historical reenactments um i thought it was a fun game i think that um if i was someone who'd played this game like for you know five six years and i knew how to you know i know how to properly fly my ship and the different maneuvers or not my ship my plane and the different maneuvers and you know balance the different stats together could have a great time if you were a newbie coming in and you didn't have the hand holding that this guy gave us and and kudos to him for doing it um if you didn't have the hand holding i think you could have a very frustrating experience if you played this oh game. yeah totally i agree honest yeah and he'd been running six events a year for many many years so, yeah he knew what he was doing. he was very yeah. seasoned he knew how to help everyone have a good time so like i said kudos to this guy and we did have a fun time with yeah that. we did i think dan you just got unlucky because you just you got in a position where a guy did a dive bomb maneuver on you and just did like full damage on the oh, dice roller. and everything it was like three bad roll three or four bad rolls like i rolled perfectly against me simul- one after another after another and i, yeah. I went down in flames and I laughed my head off. That was so much fun. It was great. And then it gave me an opportunity to walk around um, the Union Station, which we had never gone to all these years ago. To, to um, It's an old building. It's been around since, like, you know, Abraham Lincoln used to walk through the halls there. It's a super old building that has been rebuilt and remodeled and remodeled. And now it is a Crown Plaza Hotel, and it is gorgeous. So I'm a bit of a building nerd. I do work for a government agency that cares about buildings. So I, I was kind of in heaven. I, because I, I'm a big history nerd t- too. So, you guys were killing each other in the skies, and I was walking around reading about the different exhibits and 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 yeah. what happened in what decade. It was great for me. It's so funny because you look at the outside of the building and you're like, oh, what's this dump? And you walk in and you're like, oh my Ooh. gosh, it's beautiful in yeah. here. This is yeah. gonna go badly. <laughs> yeah. Who's in there? Who's sleeping yeah. on the floor in there? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it wasn't like that at all. It's great stuff. Yep. yep. So that was great. Wednesday. We all kind of did yep. it together, and it's kind of rolling in first game. Let's roll into Thursday. Day official, not day zero, day one of Gen Con for gaming. Dan, kick us off, buddy. What was your favorite game of the day? Um, I I demoed uh, Goonies Never Say Die. Um, it was a, a fun game. I think if my kids had seen Goonies, I would have bought it right there. Would have taken it home and made them play it with me, and we would have had fun. Um, it's one of those things where, as you gain in power, you go from like D6s to D8s to D12s, right? So it's very kind of basic. It's it's got a really it's got a really shallow learning curve, um, and and the first mission is designed to just have you learn learn how to play it. It is a game where one player is basically like the the DM kind of like descent where one person the old descent before they got the ipad involved the digital involved um so one person has to be the bad plays all the bad guys and everybody else plays the goonies the it has comes with six missions the first three missions cover the films and the deleted scenes from the films and then the next three missions that come in the box cover things that the the game designers made up of what happened to the Goonies afterwards, and they have another expansion coming um, soon. So Goonies, never say die. I give it a thumbs up if you want a fun kind of... It's, it, if you like the Goonies, you watch the Goonies, that's the level. that It, it really gets that feel across. It's, it's fun. 
it's engaging and it's fast. And I uh, played it with two cool dudes who were brothers and they kicked the crap out of me. I was the DM, so it all worked out. Nice. You know, you're a true Goonies fan if you know the octopus. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, octopus. Yeah. The octopus. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we also played Mosaic Story of Civilization. We gave, I'll give that one an honorable mention. Some of, some of the folks in our group were kind of meh, lukewarm on it. I kind of liked it. I, I got into it a little bit. It is kind of a game that hasn't come out exactly yet, and it's a little pricey. It may not be something I pick up, but uh, if somebody else in the group bought it and had a game night, I would play it again. I think that's a... <clears throat> And I'm probably not the one to comment on these because I'm not a really I'm not really good at like civilization building games. But um, <clears throat> we talked a lot about I had issues with the scoring mechanic in the game, but um, I think that uh, I think that it it had a, a you know uh, what you would expect from like a civilization style aesthetic um, and mechanics as yeah. well. Um, yeah. But um, I just I took issue a little bit with the way that the scoring system worked. Uh, but besides that, it felt like I was doing playing kind of a civilization game. And so it's in that ballpark if that's what you like. It, it did feel the the game mechanics had a nice connection to the theme. It's like so if you deployed mm -hmm. those troops over there, you know if you deployed troops on another continent, you're never going to see that army again. They're never coming back to your homeland to defend it. They're gone. They're either going to die out there or move in out there, <laughs> stuff like that. So. When you first start putting your, your stuff out, it feels like risk, and then you realize it's not risk. It's really about gaining influence. All right, I'm done. Yep. Who's next? Blackbirds, Justin. Yes, so um, I was very excited about this game. In fact, this is the game that I had talked about in our Gen Con preview uh, that I was probably most excited for, and it did not disappoint. So Blackbirds is an RPG that is powered by the apocalypse, meaning that it uses um, pretty much completely the apocalypse engine, which is a, a percentile dice game where you're rolling, you know, under your amount, you're rolling a percentile dice. So if my target's a 45, I'm trying to get under that. Um, the thing that I really like about it compared to games like Cthulhu or Warhammer 40K or um, even um, uh, RuneQuest is that... Uh, I felt like in some of those games you would have like a dodge and a parry action and, and like other things that would slow the dice rolling down. So I would, for example, Dan, if we're playing, I would go to swing to attack you and then you could roll the dice to then parry. And then if it, you know, did damage over it or something, you would take certain damage and it made it very crunchy, right? Like we, we found that out with, um, um, with RuneQuest. Right. The interesting thing with Blackbirds, and, and really it's the Apocalypse game, is that you have action points, which is your real economy during combat. So you have three action points that you can use. Uh, movement might cost you one action point, a, um, you know, an attack with one of your, like your dagger might be one action point, a two-handed sword might be two because it's heavier. Um, you can like do an aim for an action point, you can disengage, or you could do like a targeted attack for two action points, and it'd give you a bonus, you know. So anyway, there's a whole bunch of there's like a huge list of stuff that you can do. You do have to have kind of a cheat sheet in front of you to see like all the different actions you can do. But what that ended up doing is speeding up the game quite a bit during the combat phase, so that like I could move and attack and save my third action point to parry in case I was attacked back. 
Oh, cool. So it wasn't just like an automatic, I'm going to parry every single time I get attacked, right? It's like, no, I get a parry one time because that's the action point I saved. Or if I'm already engaged with that person and I know that they've got like got a lot of attacks or whatever, I may say, I'm not going to do anything and just save my action points to be able to dodge or attack or a parry depending on what I want to do, right? So um, uh, what was cool is like I had um, some magic. I was a magic user. Um, and uh, the only melee weapon I had was a dagger, but I used it to great efficacy because I was able to like target kidneys and like lungs, you know, with my dagger, and I got like bonus hits. Are you doing called shots? So, yeah, exactly, called shots. So it was pretty good. Um, I I do have to I, I have to say that Blackbirds again it's powered by the apocalypse, so that was kind of a review of the apocalypse system, which I really 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 enjoyed. I think it's a very good system. Um, with that, Blackbirds is kind of a reskin of that system. And Blackbirds kind of came out of nowhere. Um, it is written by Ryan uh, Vernier. He he was interesting. I met him at the Gen Con booth for, uh, for the Apocalypse booth, basically. And he is the he was the main writer for all of the League of Legends lore. Oh and, right, right. And he um, wrote Arcane, like the show on Netflix, and he also wrote Dota, that's on Netflix. So really? kind of all the stories. I, I he may not have been like he was the primary writer for all of it. So like I don't know if he did like every single word of dialogue or whatever, but all the backstory, all the lore, all that stuff. So he wrote this book, and let me tell you, I, I know Jason, you got a chance to look at the book. I it is a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous book. It's something like 697 pages, but like I'm going through the bestiary right now and there's like a part there that's like a story that talks about how like some of these monsters were created. So there's just a lot of perusing. That thing is a phone book, man. I saw uh, it. It's really like, oh heavy. Yeah. Gosh. So the nice thing is that the rules and stuff is pretty easy to get to, pretty easy to see, pretty easy to go. And I even picked up the quick start guide that they have that's like right there like just use that for the players for their quick start stuff. But the book itself, like there's just so much in it. And it's, um, it's a, pl it's a pleasure to read though. If you're into kind of uh, dark fantasy, um, you know, cause it's kind of dark horror fantasy. Um, and I think it comes out in retail. I picked it up there, but it wasn't out on retail yet. I think it comes out on like Amazon in like October, maybe. Oh, cool. So um, I'm excited to do some one shots with this. If people want to end up doing a campaign with it, like I could totally do that. But it's a very great, like a very narrative centric system. So I, I very much enjoy that. Yeah, Blackbirds, good. Check yep. it out, people. Yep, powered by Zweihander, aka powered by the Apocalypse. All right, Jason, what was your Thursday highlight? My Thursday highlight was What Price Being a Hero, which I think was Champion 6 Edition, which mm -hmm. is actually an old system, and it's like an 80s. Uh, yeah. In er, fact, I early think the, 90s, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know, because I remember looking at the um, some of the source material that the guy was using, and it, it, was, it said Champions 1984. Yeah. Copyright yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But, um, but anyways, it was uh, – I love playing new systems, um, new to me. New to me. This was an older system, but uh, it was very much a superhero based. Everybody was, every player was some, you know, weird rolled up superhero that had some weird special power. 
Um, I thought that the story was interesting. I thought it was pretty straightforward. There was nothing. It wasn't super mysterious. You could kind of just kind of wander down, you know, wander down the road and get to the end of the story. Um, but it uh, it had a nice twist at the end, you know, where we if, it kind of felt like a little bit like WandaVision at first, where we entered this bubble of in in this military base that had kind of been things have been going in but not coming out. And as we got to the heart of this this bubble that had been expanding. Um, we found this that they've been doing some scientific research to try to open a, a some sort of a teleportation portal and what they did is they opened a portal to another dimension and this evil presence started to escape out of that uh, portal into our dimension um, and what's interesting is ourselves copies or duplicates of ourselves also came through that and so the like the last fight of the game was us fighting duplicates of ourselves, so our own superheroes with our own powers that the GM was running, so mirrors of ourselves, our doppelgangers. And that was fun. That was a fun kind of little twist because we all had these kind of weird, quirky, unique you know, powers. The bad guys all had those powers too, and we all kind of knew what they were. And because we knew you know, each of our own toughness was, we kind of knew what the bad guy's toughness was. So it was kind of this puzzle puzzle game at the end there. Um, I think that, and Dan, you and I talked about this, uh, the mechanics of that system, it's an example of kind of the evolution of mechanics in a role-playing game Yeah. where you look at a system that's kind of, when people first started creating these systems, they tried to kind of mimic, how do I capture real life things in a dice mechanic? Yeah. When a lot of those things you really don't, as we've evolved in role-playing games, you find out we really don't need to capture that. Yeah. Let's just role-play that. Um. Uh, and I think uh, you know one of the one of the things we did have an issue with it is it seemed like you everybody was a one trick pony. You had one thing you could do really well, and if you tried to do anything else, you just <laughs> utterly sucked at it. <laughs> utterly sucked at it. Yeah. So when is your turn? Well, you threw your spike grenade because that's all you could really do and be effective. Yeah. Uh, I, and I, even when we tried, we did get at one point where we we did like a creative combo. Like your your power was like you could microwave anything or something. Yeah, I was a microwave dude. Yeah, so I would throw my metal spiky ball, and you would heat up the metal. You would microwave the metal when it went inside this giant gelatinous monster, and we kind of cooked them from the inside, which I thought was cool. But it was an incredibly difficult it was thing to pull impossible, off. Almost impossible. Almost yeah. impossible. We did it, and we're like, we can't do that again because. The luck will not be in our favor and then we'll fail and then we'll waste a bunch of time where we could have been shampooing rinse repeating our basic attack over and over and over again. yeah but that's an example of you know an okay system with a really fun gm and the the gm was really he good was a good he guy. was yeah. he's been playing the, i think he said he'd been playing this thing since it came out yeah yeah the system uh so yeah really champions good. first edition was 1981 no, there you go. Sorry, 1983. Sorry, 83. So this was probably a uh, this was probably a module from an earlier edition that he yeah. adapted to sixth edition. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's still in print. There's still you can still get modern editions now. The let me just say a lot can be said about the hero system. Um, if it's very typical of the games of that era, um, the one game, the one character creation uh, thing that I love about Champions is as a beginning character, you can be as powerful as you absolutely want to be. You can make yourself, you know, Superman. You can make yourself Dr. Xavier 
whatever you want to do, Professor X, whatever. Um, but you also have to build up a lot of disadvantages that equal the points of what you spent to get your powers jacked up. So it's like, yeah, you're super powerful, but you can't walk down the street and, and go to 7-Eleven without somebody messing with you. Mm. <laughs> so, Or people hating you or wanting to take you out or something like that. Or Magneto. Magneto was one of the guys. That, his name escaped me. Anyway, very few role-playing games have that. Very few. You, you can't sit down and play D&D and start as level you know, level 20, I guess you can, if your GM says, hey, let's all play a level 20 game, but that's different. As a starting character, you can build up massive amounts of power if you're willing to absorb all the disadvantages that go with it. And so beginning characters for like a one shot, you don't want a lot of disadvantages because that sucks, right? You don't want to bum everybody out. So we were all kind of one trick ponies. Um, yeah. but, but I, I super love that. I never get tired of that. And I wish more RPGs had that capability to say, yeah, you, you can be whatever you want to be, but if you are, the pendulum's going to swing the other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yes. So, uh, would you give it a thumbs up? Would you recommend a sixth edition champions to our listeners? Um, I would recommend the GM we played with. I wouldn't necessarily recommend the champion system itself. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And, and superhero games are tricky. Uh, I've not played in enough superhero games to really get that. Uh, one of the things I figured out in these superhero games is if you want to simulate two heroes beating on each other for page after page after page after page, everyone has to have super high defense and super low offense. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that's that's why it's much more of a boxing match. It's a game of attrition. Um, and it and it goes both ways, which is fun. Which means your 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 beginning characters that don't have a lot of disadvantages, they could take some serious hits and keep going, um, because that keeps the fight going. But uh, it got a little little monotonous. But um, yeah, uh, check it out if you're. It's just it is the original superheroes role playing game. It's like nobody beat that. No, there was no one before that in 1983. So it gets credit for being the first across the finish line. Yep. All right. Well, now we're into Friday. Whose turn is it? I'll take it. I'll take it. Do it. Let's um, hear it. A couple of games. Star Wars Villainous. Uh, if you played Villainous before, I own Villainous. The Disney, you play a Disney villain and you kind of simulate how hard it would be to be a villain. And there's a Star Wars version of it. And I like Villainous and I like Star Wars. And I sat down to play it with a very lovely couple. And I basically won the game in about three turns because I the luck of the cards blessed me. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm done now. I'm seriously going to buy this game because I'm the best at it. Uh, <laughs> so I bought it and uh, look forward to playing it. I like it. Um, also played Epic Card Game, which is a fantasy Magic the Gathering-like game of that kind of ilk. Um, uh, Nate and I signed up to do it because it came with a free game. So it's a free game you can play at Gen Con, and then they give you a copy of the game. So I'm holding my copy of the card game in my hands right now. I've got a two, a two player basic starter kit and, uh, can you beat that? Uh, you can't beat that. It's better than a demo in the demo hall, um, to walk out with a copy of the game. So nice. that's my, Very good. Uh, Friday. Next. Uh, I was going to talk about Urban Shadows. I'll just give an honorable mention to it. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, 
That was a lot of fun. It's a 2D6 uh, role-playing game. It's kind of like supernatural, um, you know, in the, in the fact that, like, werewolves and, and vampires and ogres and stuff like that exist in the real world, but they are hidden from the normal human that can't see it. Um, and so there's just a lot of a lot of good time there. I'm not going to spend too much time on it because what I actually want to talk about, that I thought about, was Nowhereville which was an indie RPG that Jason and I played. Uh, the scenario that we played was, are those bite marks? And um, the GM that we played with, he was kind of an interesting guy. Um, he had a hard time, I think, staying focused sometimes. But um, we had a great table. Well, we table. didn't help him. We didn't <laughs> all, help him. You know, yeah, yeah, with our table. I, he, yeah. We yeah. had a great table, though. We had a table that really was into the role-playing games and... Uh, Jason and I, this is one of the few games that we ended up playing together. And, um, uh, there's a, a, you know, I was playing the town gossip and I totally kind of hammed that up as best as I could, as you can imagine. And what was a lot of fun is like, um, you know, the, the guy who was sitting next to me was an older guy and he ended up playing the town pillar, right? Like the mayor of the town basically. And so we were just totally riffing off of each other. Um, in, in like hilarious ways where he's like, you know, my guy name is, uh, my, my name was Johnny Biloxi and he'd be like, Johnny, stop saying those things, you know? And he's yeah. like, <laughs> you know, cause I kept spreading rumors that a pack of wolves had attacked this kid when there was no wolves to be seen anywhere, you know? So, um, it was a, we had a lot of fun role playing that Jason, you had some good moments role playing your guy, the old, the old crotchety man. Yeah. Old crotchety man, where everything everything in his timeline was always thirty years ago. I mean, everything. Right. You know? <laughs> it's like everything that happened. Well, I remember thirty years ago, like everything. You know. Yeah. You, you, you know when he peaked. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> exactly. So we all had our quirks that we were playing, and they played off of each other so well. It was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, like I said, I think I think our kind of boisterousness at the table, like well, you know, we were enthused in our roles. It kind of it was a little distracting for the GM, um, but we uh, I think we got a good taste of the system. It's kind of an interesting thing. You buy the it's like a hardback book, and um, it's a really easy system. I mean, there's only like four stats that you had, right? Like mind, mm-hmm. body, soul, and spirit, and spirit, or mind, body, spirit, or and no, something no, no. else. Yeah, I don't remember Spirit what they was were, but it was anyway. pretty small. Yeah, and you know, um, one interesting heart. thing, yeah, heart. One interesting thing is like, depending on how you would roll, you'd roll a couple of dice, and if they ever matched, um, you you wouldn't get a success, but you gotta like, um, mark like a, a slider basically on yeah, the that's scale. That's where the spirit was. If yeah. you failed, you would mark your spirit, and if you keep building up spirit, you can spend spirit to do stuff. Yeah, and uh, but there was also the scale thing, and you could you started by aligning yourself. Oh, do you yeah. want to be a mm-hmm. good person or like a chaotic person? And so Jason, you kept rolling doubles, which pushed you like way to the chaotic thing. Mm-hmm. You ended up having this like special power that uh, make, put our <laughs> as an old man. I can make anyone fall asleep. Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. It was really funny. That so probably had we something had a good to time do with, with your it. stories, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Yeah. Let me about this thing that happened thirty years, 30 ago. years ago. Yeah, exactly. So we had a we had a good time with it. Um, it was a it was a fun way to end a Friday night. I thought. Yeah. So absolutely. Yep. Yep. Very good. Good times. Yep. So that was right, my third, that was my Friday. 
Yeah, I'll jump in my Friday. Friday morning was Summit at Sturm Hall, which was uh, it was Twilight it was Twilight Imperium RPG in the Genesis system, or I should say the Genesis system in the Twilight Imperium setting. And it was another one of those where I think such an important part of a role play experience is just having a good GM who's there to do storytelling. And this guy was there to do storytelling. He he really gave us the flexibility to tell our stories. And also, um, you know, I think it's easier for a GM to tell to be a storyteller when he has players at the table who are willing to fail and have fun with that failure. You know, like there's, there are some players that are trying to do every single thing they can to squeeze out the success of that dice roll. Well, is there any is there anything I can add to make the and then there are other players that are just like, oh, man, I feel I botched that thing so bad. I just tripped over the fence. And, you know, it helps the GM to have a good experience. And I think the thing that I really love about the Genesis system is the narrative dice because that narrative dice encourages players to accept their failures. Um, accept your failure for the benefit of the story and to have fun with it. The concept of succeeding with threat or failing with advantage really, really just, it, it makes it makes for an interesting thing. Like you said, Dan, let the dice tell the story. And uh, the Genesis system I thought worked really well at the table and the Twilight Imperium setting, the futuristic setting, um, was was fun. It was fine. I didn't quite feel like there was really anything in this game that really set it apart as we are playing in Twilight Imperium versus just we're playing in a sci-fi setting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it was a one shot that was only I think two and a half, two and a half to three hours long. So there wasn't really a lot of like epic, you know, world building going on. But it was just a really fun experience. Every time I play the Genesis system at a con, I have a great time with it. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to echo everything you just said. It was good, and I, I enjoyed it. And um, there were some surprising things on the character sheets, not necessarily how well the characters were built. Yeah. But some of the characters some of the characters were built yeah, a little on the, <laughs> a little badly, but that's okay, yeah. whatever, whatever. But they did some really creative things with the equipment, and I didn't get that till halfway through the game. That they all had Everybody had very interesting pieces of gear, and I've been playing – Star Wars and Genesis for a lot of years, and I was still surprised by what they came up with. So I'm going to give them props for that. That module will probably be published for free at some future date, and it was very good. And if uh, you're into it, um, keep out, keep a keep an eye out for the. There's already one Twilight Imperium free adventure out there, so pick that up. And if you're interested in doing more, there should be a second one coming down the pike. Mm-hmm. Good times. So that was my Friday. Friday. Uh oh, we're into Saturday. Gen Con is Saturday. Saturday. Gen Con is ending. Well, not quite. Oh, did you do for did, some did, of you? Yeah, yeah, that hurts. <laughs> so I, uh, John, and I did Lords of Waterdeep with expansions. Had a fantastic time. Never played that game. I'm not into worker placement games, but I sure liked Lords of Waterdeep as a D&D skin um, worker placement game because it was just fun to have all these cool D&D missions. You're kind of like the head of a tavern and you're, you send your, your folks out to do cool stuff and that creates more resources. And I super liked it and the expansions were great. We found a great group of guys to play with. Um, They were a lot of fun. Um, 
we we blew through the first game. There were, there was enough time in the session for them to play a second one. I didn't play the second one because they were huge fans, and I think I might pick that one up for my phone and play that solo. Oh. Um, that might be a solo game I, I pick up. There you go. Um, I've already been I've already been lurking it on Apple uh, on the Apple App Store. The other thing is I picked up Super Fantasy Brawl. Had a terrible demo, and sometimes, guys, you have to be willing to have a terrible demo at a con and say, what was really wrong? Is it the game's problem, or is it me, or is it the other player, or is it just the combination of the three uh, things? And you can't. there can be a great game out there that you have a bad demo of. I had a bad demo, ended up spending, uh, uh, you know, 40, 45-ish bucks to pick up the core set. Super Fantasy Brawl is kind of like you have these very huge oversized minis. You're in an arena. Everybody's bashing each other around and jumping around and using magic to throw each other against pillars and walls. And your guys don't die. They just go back into the, uh, you know, what's, what's the box in hockey? And then they come out later. So it's one of those things where you can play it with your kids and not kill the opponent you can say oh they're just hurt mm-hmm. they'll be they'll be out in a minute so even though it is age 14 and up i think i'm gonna crack the i think i think i'm gonna try to get my 10 year old to play this one with me because uh, yeah i think i think it's, it's not a hard game yeah and it's got a fun mechanic of what what cards you get to use and why there's a few weird things about when you know you get to get trophies i felt the trophies mechanic was a little a little not my favorite but uh i haven't played it yet for real since i brought Mm. it home i do want to play it uh this is from mythic games who we are big fans of mythic games as um we have talked about on the podcast in the past so it has a it has a little bit of a moba feel to it uh yeah what is moba uh, multi- multiplayer online battle arena. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, in three yep. dimension. Except a uh, board game. And, so. and it's a board game. Yeah, and the minis are fantastic. I totally want to. I don't know. I want to paint the heck out of them. They're they're just really cool, and they have a great art style. I also picked up the Dune RPG. It is a two D twenty system. I like two D twenty. I like Dune. I never. I may never oh, play. I may, and it was a bundle. I got. The dice, the Arrakis expansion, and the core rulebook for about ninety-five bucks, um, which was a significant savings over MSRP. And uh, the book is hard to find right now. The core book was hard to find um, online, so that was a cool thing for me. You know, this is one of those IPs, and I made this comment to you guys when we were there. I felt like the Dune IP had just been like farmed out to every company under the sun. There was so much Dune out there, unrelated. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of Dune. Booth. Yeah, a movie will um, do that. Yeah. Well, but interestingly, a lot of times you'll only see like maybe maybe two yeah. that get the IP. I feel like everyone had the IP. Everybody had a Dune IP. Yeah. And it was all like it wasn't like. You know, I've got the IP from the books, and you've got IP from the movie. Like everyone had modern movie art on their yeah. boxes and stuff. Or, it was or the Oprah similar. Winfrey of IPs. They were very similar. Yeah. Yeah, that's not, that's the, the aesthetic carried through to the Modifius RPG. They didn't use any uh, images from the films, but yeah, I, mm. I there was a lot of Dune out, but it was a year where there was like no Star Wars, no news, no real new Star Wars except for a 
uh, a villainous skin, and there was no new Trek, and there was no new Galactica. Oh, that's true. So yeah. who's mm. going to fill that void? Well, it was Dune. Yeah, definitely. Well, Dune or Twilight Imperium. It was the yeah, tw- 25th yeah. anniversary of Twilight Imperium. I've got right. my 25th anniversary pin right in front I of me. I did, too. I got it on my bag. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I'll go real quick. Um, so just a quick honorable mention, uh, Warcry. We had a Warcry tournament. Jason, I don't know about you, but I had a blast playing in this tournament. It was so much fun. Um, it was. Yeah, we had a we had a, a really good time. Good group of people that are very active on the Discord server and Facebook and all that. So it was good to meet up with them in person and kind of talk lists and talk shop. And it just maintains what I've talked about is that Warcry at its heart is a narrative game, but it can absolutely be a competitive one too and a very fun competitive game. Uh, because you can, we got in like what, four games in like four hours? Like it was, um, yep. It was pretty good. Pretty good. So, um, yeah, good times there. I, I ended up taking third, which was nice. Congratulations. I got a, I got a cool medal and a journal. I should have uh, taken the bottle opener that Jason got. Wah. Uh, yeah. yeah. The bottle opener is cool. Didn't you get it? You got I it, I did, right? yes. I did yeah. get it. It's cool. Yeah, it's sitting on the shelf because it's so cool. It just kind of looks like a metal. It does. It looks yeah. humongo. Um, but the highlight of my Saturday, honestly, was meeting up with my cousin, uh, Lincoln, who's been on the show. Uh, he was running the Mythic Games uh, booth there at Gen Con, and he and a bunch of his buddies said they wanted to play an RPG, but they couldn't get into them because either they were sold out and or they started when they were still closing up shop, that kind of thing. So I told them I would run a Call of Cthulhu game with them. I ran the second adventure that's in the starting, uh, the starting, um, the starter set. So this was the Dead Man Stomp. It was all about jazz music in Harlem, and dude, we had a hilariously fun time. I mean, it was like dudes were going crazy. Um, zombies were popping up everywhere. Like it was just like getting wild. And uh, these guys totally got into character. They were having such a good time playing. Uh, it was just a very, very fun time. And it, it just goes to show, like, as much as I love Gen Con, I think uh, Dan and, and Jason are pr- kind of tired of hearing about my experiences with not great DMs at Gen Con. Yeah. Um, because either what happens is they're not super familiar with the system or because uh, they're kind of new to it or – they're not very prepared. They didn't read the material beforehand or they didn't play test it. Like maybe they didn't get it in time and they're just kind of winging it. Like they're looking up rules as they're playing it. That happened a little bit with my Blackbirds game and the Urban Shadows game I played. And um, so, I, you know, it. this is a game where I ended up running it. And not that I'm like a crazy great DM, but I had a group of guys that were totally in it to win it. I had prepped. I had prepped the game that day. So I knew like what I was running and we ended up having a great time. So uh, it to me, it's like Gen Con is great and you can have a lot of fun playing a lot of different systems that you never played, but you can also have a lot of fun with the people that you know um, and, and, you know, do different things as well. So keep that option open as well. So uh, Cthulhu was great though. We had tons of fun with it. Yeah. It's, it's always a fun system to play. Yeah. So things, my things, um, devolve, things devolve very quickly, and it's hilarious. It like, you know it's interesting. Every time we played it, it's it kind of takes a while, and then once it does go downhill, it just goes off the cliff. <laughs> you know? And everyone's like, "What's happening? Yeah, you know? what's going on?" 
Yeah. Well, that's the fun of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so my my what are we on uh, Saturday? My Saturday was uh, Wizard Miners, a game that you know we I've played a couple Gen Cons ago. Uh, a guy who and kind of a um, someone who's been coming to Gen Con a while. It's kind of a labor of love for this guy. He's never released it, uh, but every time you go to play Wizard Miners, you go there and you sit down with your ticket, and there's a nice wizard hat waiting for you in your chair. And sure enough, this year when we went there, there was a nice wizard hat waiting for us in Absolutely. our chair. And so he sat down and played with us, and, and Justin, you were there, and, yep. and Sean, our friend. And, and Sean actually um, contacted the guy before and said, hey, we've played this game with you before. You know, your game's still not out, but we love playing it because it's so fun. Um, any chance I could just get a copy of it? And so he arranged a trade. He traded a, a game that Sean, I think, hadn't really has never played that the guy was interested in. And so we now, our friend group, now has a copy of the still unreleased Wizard Miners. Um, so that means nice. we got to have a game night and we got to review it. Uh, it's going to be fun. But I love the game. I think it's super simple. It's a, f- it's a f- kind of, f- I wouldn't say it's funny and comical but it's it's a really light-hearted aesthetic you literally are wizards that are mining digging deep in through your mind for gold and the way you do that is you can buy you can get gold uh, and well stones or whatever to buy new tools and they're kind of magical tools and then you can cast spells uh at your opponents to make their minds cave in and uh it's just it's just really a fun light-hearted game there's nothing you know nothing sinister about it, but it still has a little bit of a competitive feel and a little bit of a race, race to get through your mind faster than your opponent. So I I've loved it. It's the second time I played it at Gen Con, so it's the second Wizard hat I have now, and looking forward to playing it some more. Was it a manufactured copy or a kind of a preprint? No, they're 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 manu. I mean they're they're manufactured now. I mean like the yeah. the cards are okay. You know, so it's pr- uh, it's printed. Yeah. Yeah. It's printed. Um, <clears throat> I think. I think when we talked to the guy, I think he's not quite sure how to take it to the next level, how to take it to the market. So he doesn't. I don't think he really knows exactly what to do with it. The game had changed slightly, but only because he had added like kind of like a little expansion on the side. Uh, so I think it's just about near done from what this guy wants to do with it. I think he just kind of said, I'm not just, I'm not really sure how to get this thing out there. So maybe we can help him do that. Cool. Yeah. I think it's a good, it's got, and it's hard. It's a fun game. It's a game you can play with your kids really easily. Right. Um, it's a game that like, if you're having like some friends over, you can play that for an hour and have a great time, you know? Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like, I think I think he just doesn't know where to go with it now. Yeah, so yeah. we're gonna see. You know, we're, we'll break it out a couple times and play it as a group and and kind of see what to do there. But I think if you're gonna play this game, if it does come out eventually, and you do pick it up, make sure you get some wizard hats to go with it. You've got to, because <laughs> it really makes it fun I, to play with this giant pointy blue star wizard hat looking yep. at the guy across from you. I never understood where all those hats were coming from. I'm like, those <laughs> there you Mickey go. Mouse blue hats. Who's doing yeah, that? It, yep. That's what it, it totally looks like. looks like Fantasia. Yeah. yeah. Cool. That's great. Well, um, my Gen Con ended on Sunday. I drove home, so you guys go. Uh, Jason, yeah. why don't you kick yours off? Yeah, so yeah, my favorite one actually is one that you're going to mention, so I'll hold off on that. My 
My okay. second favorite thing, which I really enjoyed, was Twilight Inscription, which is a roll-and-write Twilight game. Um, if any of you have ever played Twilight Imperium, you know, it's a 4X game that takes anywhere from, you know, 6 to 12 hours to play. But it's one of those games we really like because, once again, everybody's playing all the time, whether it's your turn proper or not. You can always do something, whether you're doing diplomacy, you're expanding, you're exploiting your systems, you know, or trying to exterminate the people around your systems. Um, so Twilight Inscription falls into that same setting, except now you're, you've got a dry erase marker and a bunch and four boards in front of you. And those boards um, are like your navigation board, your, your planetary exploration, or your system exploration board, your planet exploitation board, and your warfare board. Yep. And as you play the game, everybody's simultaneously playing, again, a very important part of, of big games like that. And you roll the dice, and everybody sees the resources they can use to spend and kind of draw across the track, just like any other roll-and-write game that you play. But because you've got these four boards, when you roll the dice, you can choose which board you want to play on, which could be a totally different board that you want that your opponent uses. So I think there is an enormous amount of replayability here because just because of the different tracks your opponents can take. And, you know, as you vie for points above your opponent or you build a war, uh, you know, a war uh, uh, system that can take points away from your opponent that, that are adjacent to you. It just really was a lot of fun. It I'll say this, though. It is not a quick game to figure out. I mean, no. when we learned the game, we did a learn to play, and there was a guy up at the front with, like, you know, a lectern almost <laughs> yeah. teaching everyone how to play on the board. So you got to have people that are willing to spend about 30 minutes figuring out how to play this game the first time uh, to play it. I mean, what do you think, Justin? Yeah, I mean, it was fun, and it definitely helped that we had the guy teaching us how to do it, right? He had a little microphone. I felt like I was at a Tony Robbins seminar or something yeah. like that, <laughs> you know. Uh, but uh, Did you set new life goals? <laughs> exactly. We did. Um, but once we kind of, like, figured out how it worked, like, we were playing at the end, and um, we were moving pretty quickly through it. So this is one of those games that, like, if you can – if you can teach the people how to play it, like maybe in a 30 minute session, erase everything and start again and watch how fast you can get through it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Cause like once you get the mechanics of it, you're like, oh, okay, I got this now. I get it. Yeah. Uh, but I... there's a, there's a lot going on there. It's more than just like a, we, the other night, Jason, we played the zombicide flipping yeah. right. Mm -hmm. And that is nothing compared to this twilight oh, Imperium yeah. one, you yeah. know? So, yeah, I kind of feel like, <clears throat> You know, I kind of feel like if you're gonna play Twilight Inscription, you gotta you gotta play with people who are used to mechanically intense systems, so that yeah. they will have the patience right. to learn it. Because yeah. there are several people that I play games with that, after about the first five minutes of explaining the different things you can do, will probably just give up in their minds and wait yeah. for the next game. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. Most like our wives. Yeah. Oh, my wife would just get up. Yeah, my wife is like, "Well, just uh, just tell me how to do this," and you're like, "I am, I am telling you how to <laughs> right. do this," you know. So yeah, which planet yeah. should I explore? Which one do you want to explore? The one you tell me to explore. Okay, right, <laughs> right, exactly. So no, that was fun. Um, so Sunday was kind of an interesting day for us because we were supposed to go play a 
uh, Starfinder thing, but we were not in the headspace for another RPG no, on it, Sunday we morning. We kind of burned down on them. So we were able to switch our tickets, go do the Twilight Inscription. We roamed around the hall a little bit. Um, I was giving out tabletop and beyond cards and promoting our podcast while Jason was doing some last minute shopping. And um, I think uh, we ended up, you know, getting a nice leisurely lunch after that. And then we came back and we wandered into the Czech Games Hall and were able to get a demo game of The Lost Ruins of Arnak, which was one of the big games promoted there at Gen Con. They had big posters up. They had the, the game art on one of the sides of the bags, that you know, the big bags you get at Gen Con. Um, so like this was, they were making a big push to sell this game and, um, we sat down and played it and I gotta say like worker placements, I think Jason, you talked about it a little bit, right? Worker placements are like, they have their place, but sometimes you're just like, okay, like it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the mechanics of this, it like, combined a little bit of like a worker placement with like a resource management with like, there's a lot of strategy going on, and uh, I thought it was a lot of quick strategy too. Your your turn didn't take that long Mm-mm. to go through, Mm-mm. which helped because this wasn't a game where everybody played at the same time. Um, you had to take your turns, and you would just kind of go around. But your turn, you only got to do one thing on your turn. Mm-hmm. You only got to do one thing, and then it would be the next guy, and then the next guy, and then it would come back to you, and then the next guy, the next guy, until everybody ran out of things that they could do. Um, and so there might be like between three people, there might be like 15, 20 turns in one round, but they were all very quick. Cause you're thinking like, okay, this is the next thing I want to do. Boop, boop, boop. You know, like I place my guy, take my materials, play a couple cards, take that material, do something else. Okay. I'm done. Do you know what I mean? And then it would go around and you would do something else, you know? And so, um, yeah, it was a lot of, I thought it was a lot of fun. My favorite part about it was that it was very clear um, how to get victory points. Yes. Points that win the game. Every round you could do something to give you victory points versus um, a, a, a worker placement engine game where you have to nest three or four different things to be able to do the thing that can give you victory points. Everything you did, you could see very clearly on the board, okay, I'm going to get two victory points for that, or I'm going to get one victory point for that. So it was very yeah. easy to just kind of say, all right, this is the objective. We're going to do this to go get, to try to go for the win. Yeah. And there were yeah, lots of options on how to get victory points every turn. Yeah, one thing that I kind of realized halfway through is I'm like, if I'm stuck on one side, go work on another aspect. You'll go yep, get victory exactly. points, you know? And so... Um, yeah, I never felt like... I never felt like I was in that situation that happens a lot to me with civilization games where my turn comes and I have no resources to achieve anything this turn and I have to burn a turn just grabbing a token so I can do something next time. I never had that feeling in this game. No, and I think the mechanics were simple enough that, like, you know, a a basic game player could pick it up and and have a good time. But if you got some advanced game players that knew how to, like, work combos and do that, like, you could have a really fun strategic game going on Mm -hmm. you know so like i think it was scalable according to the level of the player as well i think is what i'm trying to say there Uh, you know like you could have a very basic game that would be a lot of fun like if you played with like one of your kids or something like that or you could play with somebody who really knew how to like milk the system and you're doing it too and have a very like competitive strategic game happening and um yeah um did you feel like there's too many components to it um 
when we were setting it up, I was like, ooh, there's a lot going on here. But during play, it didn't feel overwhelming. Yeah. I didn't. I don't think so. I think it was okay. Yeah, I mean, there was like five tokens, right? Because there was the money, there was a compass, there was the three artifact things, right? The the scroll, the scroll, the, the tablet, the and tablet, the ruby. Yeah, yeah. And then um, there was little tokens on the board that you would get if you completed stuff, and then there was cards up at the top and cards in your hand. So I don't think it was terrible, and because you didn't interact with every single one of those every time you did something, um, you weren't like locked into analysis paralysis too often mm-hmm. and uh things just kind of moved along you know it played fast too yeah it play- it played and fast. not not just each turn but like the whole game only took what, what did it take like an hour maybe yeah, yeah. i think yeah because we got back from lunch at like one forty, and we waited about 20 minutes for a table and then we found it and then played from like i don't know Two no. to three fifteen, maybe. Yes, I don't know. I, yeah, I can't remember. It was it was pretty quick though. Was pretty that quick, was a great so. room. It was very large. They had a lot of tables, a lot of great games set up. Um, I it was a very inviting place to go game. So, uh, John and I did Galaxy Trucker. They reprinted Galaxy Trucker, which I first played in '06. It has a, a fun it game. has a kind of a new graphic art style. Same game. Oh. Also has a uh, an expansion which is relatively new, so um, that was done by the um, by the same folks. Check, yep, games, check games, check games. Yep. And Jason, you ended up buying a game from them too. Um, I did. I bought uh, Fallen Skies. Fallen Under Skies? Fallen Skies. Under Fallen Skies, which is a single player little dice puzzle game. Um, it's a fun game, you know. It was it was one of those where we played, we demoed it, and I was kind of like, eh. But then when I was buying a different game, I was I saw it, and I said, "How much is it?" And they were like, "Eh, it's like twenty two dollars." I was like, "Okay, yeah, right." <laughs> it's uh, uh, Space Invaders, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It's Space Invaders. It feels like Space Invaders. Yep. On so, a board game. That's pretty good. They had a great little room. Um, I don't think I'd seen Czech games like front a room like that before. Um, you know, I think they've done it in a prior, um, they've done it in prior ones as well, but they've usually shared a room with others. This was the first time I saw them kind of in that big of a setting. And again, they, they really sponsored hard for that lost ruins of Arnak. And, uh, Oh, by the way, the, the guy who helped us run that game, he was great. Oh, super, super awesome guy. Like, like seriously, like he was maybe one of the, like the, the, the best, I'm going to put air quotes around this GMs (laughs) that I had over the weekend. Because he was helping us run the game, but he would be like, "Hey, you may want to check that out." Because you know he knew we're, that we were new, but um, he he knew when to prompt and when not to prompt too, you know. So I thought he did yeah. A great considering job. it was the end of the entire con, um, he was very you know very patient. And, yes, he uh, was. Yeah, he was very good with us. Yep. So that ended our Gen Con on a very high note, in my opinion. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good times. Good. Good con. Yeah. Well done, con. everybody. Well done. We finally did yep. it after all this talking. We went. <laughs> That's right. We finally went back to Gen Con. So, yep. yeah, this was, the, this was the first time I had been back since 2018. So it had been like four years. Yep. It's been, uh, what did I, did I, I, did, years, I think right? I did 2019. Yeah, I yeah. did 2019. Yeah. So just for our listeners, we should say a few things that Gen Con, a few advantages you get out of Gen Con that you can't get anywhere else or, or almost anywhere else. What are the things that Gen Con does the best? Number one, 
The dealer hall is amazing. It has yeah. huge quantity and quality. And if you're wandering around looking at new stuff, you're you're going to find something new. It may not be something you want to buy, but you're going to find something new and someone will teach you how to play that game. Well, and usually it's stuff that's not out for print yet. You know, they're like, hey, buy this now. It's coming out in like December. Yeah. So you can get it now. Mm-hmm. And so you'll find a lot of deals in the vendor hall that you can't actually get on the market yet. That's and and sometimes in the vendor halls you'll find things that are a little harder to find. I'm not even talking about the auction rooms. We've never even done those. Um, those are a, a, I did kind of a separate ball of wax. But long story short, that's one thing that you can get out of Gen Con is novelty. If you feel like you're stuck in a rut, you keep playing the same handful of games over and over again gen con can help you with that yep quite it's good well. good yeah. times what else is gen con good at um uh it really will force you outside of your usual stuff if you're trying to book yourself you know two or three sessions a day it's going to be very hard unless you're running a tur- unless you're playing in a tournament it's very hard to um just do one type one game over and over all day long um if if uh and unless you're running it or or unless you have dedicated space anything else gen con does well that nobody else or what's one of the best things about gen con you can't get anywhere else so the the whole reason i go to gen con is to play games that i can't play at home yeah Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think that's one thing that Gen Con does great. Um, I could go play a whole bunch of D and D, but I'm D and D out the wazoo. I could go play Star Wars. I've got a, I've got a great friend who is a, an amazing Star Wars GM, right? Well, thank uh, you. Who, Are you talking who, who about Jim? Right? He's so good. yeah, exactly. Jim's amazing. <laughs> so um, you know, I mean, I've I, like these are games that I can play easily at my own house. Like what I don't, what I can't play at my place is um you know i can't play blackbirds i can't play urban shadows i can't play cthulhu even because i'm usually the one running it you know so um gen con's a place where i can go to find games that it's like i want to try i've always wanted to try or i have no idea what this is we signed up for nowhereville being like well sounds like it might be fun let's try it out and so um i think if you're willing to get creative and to say, I'm willing to just try something new, it may hit a home run or it may be a total dud. Either way, I'm having a good time because I'm rolling dice and having fun. I think uh, if you go to Gen Con with that, like you'll never be disappointed. Right. And I think you touched on one point, and I'll, I'll double down on it, which is if you're the usual GM in your group and you actually want to play, you don't have to GM when you go to Gen Con. You mm. may not be playing your favorite game, but you do not have to GM, and that's yeah. that. That's and, and you can do that for three days straight, which is hard to do other places. Yep. Cool. All right, Gen Con is great. Yeah. I can't go next year. I, my wife booked a cruise on top of Gen Con, so I'm out. But um, maybe next year will be a year of Guild Con. Yeah, Guild Con's got to come back with the fury, in my opinion. I've been wearing my Guild Con T-shirts around the house. <laughs> <laughs> positive vibes <laughs> yeah my brother was asking about it my other brother was like i'll fly out too from from las vegas oh man so yeah. uh so maybe maybe we'll end up having a, a guild con as well sweet that might be fun yeah, yeah. so anyway well uh, i think that brings us to the end gen con was a resounding success for all of us uh we had a great time uh 
as uh, as always. And if you've never been to Gen Con, please consider it. I think it's uh, an excellent adventure to go at least one time in your lives uh, to see it. It's just it's kind of be it's really cool just being surrounded by like that many like minded people that love the things that you love. So um, go ahead, check it out. Get ready for next year. Um, pay attention around January. That's when the tickets go on sale and, and all the hype starts. And, uh, yeah, in the meantime, keep rolling the dice. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night, everybody. See ya. Thank you.